0: Greatest of creation, the firstborn, give God glory, give him all the honor. He's the one we're here for. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for being here. You may be seated. Uh, my name is Saul, for those that don't know me, and I'm going to be sharing the word with you today. Um, so, hope you guys enjoyed your extra hour of sleep. I wish someone had told my kids, you know, but it's all right. We did all right. We're here today. Um, and I think it's kind of cool that the kids are staying here today, um, because today I want to talk to you about worship, and I think it's, it's central to who we are, it's fundamental to our, our, our life on earth, like, why are we here, you know, other than to bring glory to Christ? And so I want to talk to you guys about worship today. Um, if you remember last time when I spoke, I talked about rest, right, and we talked about how we, the pipes, shouldn't take credit. For the work that the water does, for the quenching of the thirst that the water does. And today I want to talk about the water. I'm going to talk about the gift. What is it that that we we seek? What is it that we find? Um, And who God is in us. Um, So let's pray. Dear Lord, we give you thanks, Father, for your word. We give you thanks for sharing it with us. We give you thanks for opening up to our hearts, Lord. We pray tonight that you would uh, open our ears to hear, that you would open our eyes to see, that you would open our hearts to receive. And that you may be glorified in all of this. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So worship. Kind of a big topic, right? Uh, I still remember a couple years ago, Jeff Barnison preached this, this sermon. Um, and he's like, you know, what is the picture of worship? And he's like, right? A worship leader kind of like, I'm back, mic open, hands up. And that's what we think about worship, right? When we think worship, like that's the first thing we think about. But there's so much more. There's so much work to worship, and that might not even be the central part of worship. And so today I want to talk to you about what 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 the real kind of substance of worship is in the scripture. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was this really famous song, right? It went like all over the world called The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. Um, and this, the song has a really cool story behind it. It was basically was this church in England, and for some time they felt that their worship uh, maybe wasn't as genuine or as heartfelt as it had been for a while. And so one day the pastor said, no more bands. We're getting rid of the band. We're getting rid of the singers. We're turning on the lights. No more of this flashing stuff. Turn off the screen. Turn it all off. We're going to worship in the way that we used to, right? Just like a pella. And people came in and everyone's looking around. And I was like, this is kind of weird. You know, like turn on the music. Give me something here. Um, but it turned out to be over time, like people really went back. And they started thinking about what it is we're worshiping, what it is that the music is supposed to do, what it's supposed to help us do. Um, And then Matt Redman wrote a song about it, wrote a song about the experience. Uh, And you've probably all heard it, right? I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. Um, But my favorite verse of that song uh, goes like this. It says, king of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all that I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search deeper within through the way that things appear and you're looking into my heart. And then it goes to the chorus and everyone sings it and everyone's standing up and you're back to this, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the question that I always had when I, when I heard a song is like, well, when God looks into my heart, what is he looking for? What, what is it that's going to affect what's going to determine whether I'm giving worship or not. In other words, what makes worship worship? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, So if you could please put up the first slide, the scripture, next one. Perfect. So we're going to talk today from uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I'm sure you've heard this verse many, 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 many times. And some of you might be looking at this and like, oh, I don't think that's quite about worship. Um, But let's see what's in there. Let's let's get in there and see what we can find. All right, so Romans 12, 1. And so this is our text for this morning. And, and again, like you say, well, the, the first verse kind of has the word worship in it, right? So that makes sense. Uh, but what about the second verse? How does that tie in? And, and, and what does that mean in our daily lives, right? Because worship, you know, we kind of use the term loosely sometimes. And we say, well, worship means when we sing. But worship also means when we give offerings. And worship also means when we do things that are for God. So like we use the word in a lot of different ways, and there's got to be a way, there's got to be something that connects all these different meanings to the words, that connects all these different activities and all these different things that are tied into our conception of worship. And I'm hoping we get there today. And I think um, that verse 1 kind of gives us a conceptual uh, picture of what worship is And then verse 2, I think, gives us a more practical approach uh, and and a more kind of day-to-day living thing. You know, we talk about, uh, what is it, uh, lifestyle worshiping, right? What does that mean? How do you do that all day? You're not singing all day. You're not, you know, playing the the guitar or the drums or whatever all day. There's got to be something else. So let's see what we can find. All right, so Romans 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. So the first word that comes to mind here is the therefore. Where did that come from, right? <laughs> because if, if you just read that verse, it's like therefore. Therefore what? What is that we're looking at? And the therefore is the first 11 chapters of Romans, right? Therefore connects to everything that, that Paul's been talking about. If you, if you read the first eleven chapters anytime recently is like one big sentence, right, and he's like, blah 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 blah, and this and that, and this happened, and then that happened, and it's really the 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 story of of salvation, the story of grace, right if you recall it starts with you know how we were hopelessly lost, like we had no way to know God, we were all lost in our sins, you know people saw the creation and instead of worshipping the Creator, they worshiped the creation and they made idols, right then it talks about how. Uh, Jesus had to come and die to free us from that sin. But not only did he come and free us from the sin and die, but God called us into his kingdoms. He made us sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right? That's all of 11. And then it goes into this thing where it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Right? For who's ever known the mind of God? Who can give him counsel? Who's ever given God a gift so that he has to be repaid? For everything is from him and through him and to him. And all to God be the glory forever. Amen. And we had this huge moment after 11 chapters. And now we get to this. Therefore, therefore, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And so we always have to keep in mind what the therefore is. We always have to remember, you know, and I that the therefore means that we're not worshiping to get these mercies. We're not worshiping to get these things. We're worshiping because of these things. Because God's made a way for us to enter. Because God's made us holy and acceptable. That's how we can worship. And that is an amazing thing to think about. You know, we're, we're able to do this only because Jesus has done all this for us. And so Paul says, all right, well, by all these things, you know, if you kind of understand what I've been talking about Therefore, you present your body by what you most hold dear, right? I appeal to you. You know, by these mercies of God, be a living sacrifice. So, what is a living sacrifice? How does that work? Right? Because when we think about sacrifices, we think about Old Testament sacrifices, right? Where somebody brought a big bull, right? Brought it to the priest. The priest killed it and spread the blood, right? And maybe ate some parts of it. Then they put it on an altar, and they burned it up, right? God received the smoke as an offering, and the animal (laughs) was done. It ceased to exist, right? So I hope that's not what God is asking us to do. But he's saying, no, 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 no. You're a living sacrifice, all right? You can do this somehow, continuously, again and again and again and again, right? You're sacrificing yourself as a living sacrifice for me. You're bringing an offering, And this kind of makes sense, right? If you look again at the the rest of Romans, right? Chapter 6, it's like two, three references where it talks about presenting your members, you know, as living sacrifices. And they become instruments of righteousness, right? Things that you do well, things that praise God through your body, with your body. And so this kind of harkens back to that idea. And and thank God, you know, it gives us some hope that we're not to bring ourselves up on the altar, you know, stab ourselves and present ourselves to God. That's not what he wants. He wants something else. All right, so we have the idea of the living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is key because as we talked before, you know, God has made this happen. God has made this possible. God has called us. He's sanctified us. He's freed us. He's cleansed us. He's made us uh, acceptable to him through the blood of Jesus. And so we're presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Alright, and I want to spend a little bit of time here on, on what this worship looked like, what it is, what it does. And again, I think this verse one is a little bit more conceptual, more open, and I think verse two hopefully brings us back more into our, our, our day-to-day. So worship. You know, your spiritual worship, you presented yourself as a living sacrifice. You are now giving God spiritual worship. What is that? Oh, sorry, give me a second. Okay. So when we think about worship in the New Testament, there's a fundamental shift on the way that God talks about worship, on the way that we do worship, right? Um, back in the day, again, you brought your, your bull, you brought your offerings, you gave it to the priest, and that was the extent of your involvement. Right? The priest then took it, they did the sacrifice, they brought it to God, they did whatever God asked for it, if it was a, you know, one of these, uh, the weights offerings or whatever it was, they did what it was, they presented it to God, and that was it. That was the end of your of your involvement there. But in the New Testament, there are two big shifts um, that 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 we see in scripture. And the first is that there's a huge shift away from an emphasis on place and outward form, right? And we start talking about the heart. You know, there was some heart talk back in the in the Old Testament, right? About David having the right heart, about people turning their hearts back to God and that sort of thing. But the worship was a lot of it was external. You know, you did these things because God commanded you. You did these things because he asked you to. And then you brought your offering, and that was the offering. That's what you were supposed to do. But in the New Testament, right, we have this shift where, um, you know, the place doesn't matter, right? He, Jesus tells the woman at the well, hold on here. You know, we're not going to worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You're going to worship in spirit and the truth, right? It doesn't matter where you are. This is the way you worship. Um, And then Jesus himself always railed about the Pharisees, right? What was their thing? He's like, well, these guys say the right things, right? They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? They worship me in vain because they're just, you know, going through the motions. Um, And so that's a huge shift from this very structured worship where you bring your sacrifices, and that's the end of it, to a matter of the heart, to bring our hearts closest to God. And sort of we're kind of back again, right, to the Redmond song. Okay, so what is it that you're looking for, God? Give us something. So whatever it is, right, it has to be continuous. It has to be something that we can offer over and over and over, something that can always be in our hearts, um, something that is always a part of who we are. right? So the music, again, is helpful. The music can help us get there. The singing can help us get there. The doing great things uh, certainly does it and gets us there. But what is it? What is that one thing that we're trying to find to connect all these things? And and I think I can see that. in another letter from Paul in Philippians, I think, can you flip to the next slide, please? So this is Philippians 1, and 22. And to give you a little context here, this is Paul writing from prison, and he's just finished telling the Philippians, um, hey, really exciting news. It's like, all the Roman soldiers know that I'm in jail because of Christ. And all the brothers have heard about this, and they're super encouraged because I kind of took this stand, and I'm in jail, and I'm in prison, and people are preaching the gospel now with great boldness, right? And he's like, some people do it out of spite just to mess with me because I'm in here, they're out there. But he's like, I don't care because the word of God is being preached, and I rejoice in that. And then he says this, and look, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. Right, but this is what I what I what I value. And he says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, and that is ashamed of the gospel in the context, right? But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Right? It is my full expectation that whether I live or where I die, right, Christ is gonna be worshipped, gonna be honored in my body, whether by life or death, for to me, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And so again, like you might be staring at me a little bit, like okay, I missed the worship part. Uh, <laughs> but what you see here, right? What you see here is God basically, Paul basically saying, hey, this is how I worship. This is how I worship in life or in death. And here it is: to live as Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, I don't know if I'm going to live or I'm going to die, but either way, I'm going to honor God. Either way. God is going to be worshipped in me. And how do I do that? Well, to live is Christ. That is, if I live, you know, I honor God because I choose him. I do what he wants for me. My life is his, right? I live for him. Whatever he calls me to, I will do. And if I die, well, that's good too because to die is gain. I honor God by counting it as gain because he is so much more than life. And I think what Paul seems to be saying here is that we worship and we glorify and and we uh, honor God in our bodies by choosing him, by valuing him, by counting him more than everything else that we have in our lives, by counting him above everything that the world can offer, right? If I'm alive, I choose him, right? I live for him. I give my life for him. My life, my life, everything I am is Christ. That's all there is. And if I die, it's better for me. Because I would gladly trade everything that I have for him to being with him. You know, he's saying, look, I'm not sad to live my life on earth because I count him more. You know, I want him more than my family. I want him more than my church. I want him more than my career, than my job. I want him more than my house. I want him more than the way people look at me when, you know, because they think I'm smart. because They think I'm hot. Or because they think I'm, you know, so spiritual, right? I want him more than that adulation. And that's how I worship Christ. And, and I think, you know, that's the heart of worship. I think that's the thing that connects all these things that we're saying, right? We, we sing to him because we count him more. We sing to him. We worship him. We come here on Sunday because we believe that he's valuable, that he's worth it, that that's what he wants. And this kind of concept sort of flows also through the way that Jesus was when he was on earth, right, over and over and over, he went around, he's telling people, choose me, right, to his disciples, hey, drop your nets, drop your boats, leave your job, follow me, right, to the rich young ruler, take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, make yourselves treasures in heaven, right, show me that you care more about being with me up there for all eternity than you do about your stuff, and to Martha, oh, Martha, Martha, you're so troubled, you're so worried, you're doing so much for me. But Mary chose the best part, right? Choose me, treasure me, be satisfied in me. That was the way that Jesus dealt with, with that's what he kept saying over and over and over when he was on earth. And I think that's the key to, to worship, right? We worship God by finding our deepest satisfaction in him. Above all else, above everything we want, about everything we do, right? Being satisfied in Christ. Um, if you've ever heard a sermon from John Piper, This is like his thing. He wrote a whole book about this. Uh, He calls it like Christian hedonism. But his thing, his central theme is always that Christ is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Right? When you want God above everything else, right, life just seems to find a way to be different. And so when we think about worship, right, a lot of times we get so preoccupied with the things of this world that the worship becomes about us. You know, about what God can do for me about um, how I feel when I'm with God. You know, I feel peaceful. I feel great. I feel fantastic. Let's do this again, right? But hey, <laughs> you know, worship is about him because he's so much bigger. Worship is about him because he deserves it. Yeah. Now, and kid, kids get this, right? Kids get this a lot. If, uh, if you ask a kid about his dad, right, a four-year-old boy, he's like, hey, is your dad strong? He's not just stronger than my mom. Like, he's the strongest, right? My dad is the strongest. My dad's the fastest. My mom's not just cool. Like, she's the best, right? There's no one like her. Like, kids get this, right? And, and a lot of times, we're, we're, we're too cool, right? We're too cool, um, and, and, and we don't give God his due, right? We focus on the stuff that's coming our way. We have our narrow perspective. You know, I have this problem, and God, get me out of that problem. But you know that problem in perspective it's not that big, you know? If your God is the God of that problem, you know, there's, there's something missing. There, that, that doesn't deserve all encompassing all day, all night, forever and ever and ever, for all eternity praise, right? If we praise God because of that little thing, we're missing the picture, right? God is greater than that. God is bigger than that. And that's what we have to look to when we talk about worship, right? We look past our situation, you know, past all the good things, past all the stuff that we have, past all the troubles, past all the burdens that we carry, and we see his awesome nature. And that's what we can worship, right? When we see Jesus, when we see God for who he is, for this great, amazing, eternal God who he is, then we can worship for real. Then we can say, man, I value that. I treasure that, right? But, you know, as the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to praise God. And I think this is why. Because if you don't believe who God is, If you don't believe that God is all that he claims to be, you're not going to treasure him more than your house or more than your career or more than the adulation of the people around you, right? It feels pretty good. But, you know, God is bigger. But you have to believe that. We have to find ourselves in a place where we see God for who he really is because then we can value him. Then we can treasure him for everything that is done. And, and this, you know, this is, this is the, the center of our worship life, the center of our Christian life, the center of our faith life is kind of growing in that satisfaction, in that understanding of, of who Christ is. And so our lives um, look very different, right? When we get up in the morning, you know, we don't go looking for troubles, right? We don't go looking to put up fires. We're looking for Christ to renew our satisfaction. We center ourselves in his word. We center ourselves in who he is. Right, we, we, we look for him more and more and more to understand who he is so that we can treasure him, so that he can, we can worship him uh, from, from that. All right. That's great. So that's fantastic, right? Love to treasure Christ. Love to do that. How do I do that every day? You know, what does my life look like if, if I'm treasuring Christ? How can I worship him all day? Because we're sort of talking about kind of in your room, reading, thinking about you know how great and wonderful God is, but hey, have to work, you have to eat, you have to get your children ready. There's all these things that God's called us to do, and so in the midst of all that stuff, how do we worship? And I think that's what uh, uh, that's what um, verse 2 tells us. That, that's where it gets us to. So let's go back to, I think you can go back to the, yeah, that slide. So let's go back to Romans 12. Let's go back to verse 2. And remember, the first, you know, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right, which is your spiritual, ever-constant treasuring of Christ, of God, for who he is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, so let's dig in here, see if we can find a little bit more about living. All right, so the first part, we have these two commands, right? Once in the negative, once in the positive. Do not be conformed, be transformed. Don't conform, transform. And note that this is, this is in the present tense. <laughs> this is not something that happens once and doesn't happen. Like, this is a constant. Do not be conformed, right? Check yourself. Um, don't be conformed to the world be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So how do we do that? How do we not conform? How do we uh, be transformed? Like, how do we do these things? Um, So you might say, well, you know, if you were to ask me, probably if you were to ask just about any Christian, it's like, how does a Christian not conform to the world? And people are going to start just listing a bunch of things that Christians don't do, right? Christians don't do this. Christians don't like this. Christians don't go here. Christians don't, like, that's what we think about not conforming, right? It's almost like we're saying, hey, if you want to not conform, you look at the world, you see what they're doing, right? You see what they're listening to, you see what they're wearing, you see what they're watching, you see what they're chasing after, right? And you do the opposite. And, and look, that's awesome. That's amazing. If we were to do that, if, it would be a fantastic start, right? But, you know, we're talking about worship here, and we're talking about the heart. So there's got to be something deeper, right? There's, we're talking here about transforming your mind so that, right, so that from the inside out it can come out. Like right? the emphasis here is on cleaning the inside of the heart, right? Not on, on cleaning necessarily the outside, right? That sort of comes, but but the emphasis here on this passage of worship is on the inside. So you say, fine, so I'm not going to look at behaviors. What if I just look at the way the world thinks, and then I think different, right? And then it becomes like a logic exercise, right? So you say, well, the world thinks that You know, in order to get ahead, you push everyone out of the way and you kind of bring yourself first, you know, to to the boss and you give them like this project that someone else did and you say, this is mine, right? Right? (laughs) And you say, well, I see that thinking and I'm gonna do something different. And again, that's great, it's fantastic, right? But this is, again, it just falls short. Of what this what this passage is really getting to. Where we're talking about a renewed mind. We're talking about a different mind. We're not talking about something that I see, you know, and I kind of work up the courage and the discipline. And I say, Nope, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna disparage my, my colleague here. I'm gonna bring my colleague to the to, to the, the boss and say, hey, you know, this colleague did this thing and it was awesome. And again, we were to do that, fantastic, right? But that's not what we're trying to get at here. We're not thinking, um, you're not looking for for just a a a a disciplined um, sort of Christian life. We're not saying you listen to enough sermons and you read enough books and you think about this hard enough and you can do this too, right? That's not what this passage is saying, right? This is not like me doing this stuff because I'm so smart because I try so hard. It's something else. We're being transformed um, by the renewal of our minds. So the focus, again, is on what can do, what can God do, and what is different here. And I think the key word in this passage is in that middle section, right? So we said, um, be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And this here, this little phrase here is hard to put in, into English. And if you look at the at the NASV, uh, that version says, you know, you get a renewed mind so that you may prove what the will of God is right and this is a you know I prove them over and over, that sort of thing. the, the, the NIV says um, you renew your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is. and I think these kind of give us a little better idea of what um, Paul is really trying to say and we just don't have that word in, uh, in, in English that does it but the word in Greek, uh, if you look it up is dochymaine. And the the root of this word, dokimos, is about testing currency, it's about testing coins, right? It's the idea that, you know, back in the day, you're selling 10 cows, so some guy comes over, and he's like, hey, I'll give you this shiny coin for those 10 cows. And you say, well, like, I know what my 10 cows can do, right? I know what how much they can feed, I know all these things, like, what does this little coin do for me? So you take the coin, right, you scrape it up a little bit, you Take stay and do the teeth, right? You try to find out what it is made, or you try to find out the value, right? And then you say, hey, this is, this is a gold coin. I know what a gold coin of this size can do. All right, take my cows, right? But the idea here is on valuing the coin, right? You don't just look at it and you say, hey, a copper coin. Sure, I'll take that. Or hey, this is pig iron, I'll take that too. I love this coin, You're bigger and better, whatever it is, right? The, the the root of this word here is on valuing the on on looking at the value of the coin. And so when, when, when we talk about this uh in the context of our worship, you know the the, the, the point of, of the renewed mind is not so much that you can see things, that you can understand things, but you can approve things. You